Hello, Text Talkers. Edwin here. I have a brief announcement before we get into the actual episode today. Andrew and I just want you to know that in order to make sure all episodes post on time and without missing any, we have to record these weeks in advance. That's why we don't talk about any current events, including the COVID-19 pandemic. Since we never know what the state of things will be on the day the episodes actually air, we just focus on the text we're talking about. However, we want you to know that we are obviously aware of the state our communities, country, and world is in. We are not ignoring or dismissing it. We are concerned. We are praying for you, for all our brothers and sisters, and for our fellow man in this difficult time. That being said, what better thing can we do while we and our families are practicing some social isolation than to talk about God's Word? So, keep us in your prayers, and we'll keep you in ours, and let's get today's episode started. Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. Welcome back to the podcast. We are Text Talk, and we are looking at Acts chapter 8 in this episode. What are we reading today, Edwin? So the last two days, we focused on one verse apiece. We're going to make up for it today. I'm starting in verse 9. I'm going to read all the way to verse 25. Here we go. But there was a man named Simon, who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. I think Simon is intriguing. I I just always have. And I look at a fellow here who who really had come a long way in a short period of time. I've got a little uh, note here that as we're reading Acts chapter 8 in this section, we're thinking about the idea of faith in an age of fakes and frauds. And certainly where I'm going to see Simon as we started this reading, which you did a great job with, I'd put him in that category of a fake and a fraud. The Samaritans weren't necessarily aware of that, though. As he is introduced to us in verse 9, here is this fellow who has uh, practiced sorcery in the city. He's astonished many people. 
in verse 10, he has a reputation. This man is the great power of God. The power of God, the dunamis of God, actually. And so here's a guy that's set himself up as an, an instrument of God. And yet, what's he do? Uh, sleight of hand tricks, um, illusion, right? Well, whatever he was doing, when the real power of God came into town, people could tell the difference. That's exactly right. People could tell the difference, and he could tell the difference. Now, one of the things that's intriguing to me about Simon is that he is, seems to be moved and persuaded by this message of the kingdom of God, by the uh, uh, proclamation of the name of Jesus Christ, but also by the miraculous powers that accredited all of that information. Here is Philip coming along, and he is doing genuine miracles. Simon can spot the difference. Simon can tell the difference. But I'll tell you what's a bigger difference. Philip is not saying, I'm the power of God. You're out of, job. You're out of a job, Simon, because I'm running this town. Philip is saying, it is Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord in Christ. I am bringing a message of God. And Simon is persuaded by this message. Simon, like I said, he's coming a long way. He's gone from being fraud in chief to now humbling himself to believe this message and to be baptized like all the other men and women who are being baptized. Here's what breaks my heart. Simon was a fake. He was a fraud. He was practicing his magic arts. He was practicing his trickery and therefore was deluding and deceiving the people to believe that he was something great. But he was doing it in his own name. Yeah. What what breaks my heart is that today there are those who practice this exact same delusion, dece deception, but they claim to be doing it in the name of Jesus Christ. And, and I want us to recognize we need to see the difference. There are folks today that are on television claiming to do all of these kinds of things, and they're telling you to send you send them your money. Yeah. It's it's an age of fakes and frauds today, and unfortunately, it's an age of fakes and frauds who are claiming to be on behalf of Jesus. But whether they say the name of Jesus or not, we need to know the difference between the real Jesus, the real gospel, the real truth. I promise you, if Jesus or Philip were to come into town with the power that they had, it would not look anything like some of these big shebangs that they throw in... in uh, no, Coliseums yeah, or the, the, the gymnasiums are all over the place. I've actually visited a couple of those. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's ridiculous what goes on. You, you don't see it on TV, but if you're actually there live, you can tell it's a lot of chicanery and trickery if you want to. Now, the folks mm. who are just buying into it and believing it, they're just following along. But it was, it's just, you would know the difference. And I often wondered why folks who claim to have this, they come into a town, they set up a tent, or they get into a gymnasium, and they tell everybody to come show up here. Why didn't they just go to the hospital? Mm. Why didn't they just go to the hospital? And, uh, uh, I, boy, we could use a little bit of this right now. Can we just get some of these guys traveling around the world now and, and bringing this all to an end, this COVID-19 stuff? Oh, yeah. Again, we're recording this a couple of weeks ahead. I'm assuming it's still going on and it's still dangerous uh, in, in, in when you're actually listening no, to this. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, so some of the, quote, faith healers could, could really do themselves a solid and legitimize <laughs> all of this. Um, you know what Philip did for the Samaritan people, who I think you you rightly point out, they're victims here, okay? They, they, they have been fooled, fakes and frauds. And Philip has brought and introduced into their life a standard of truth 
a standard for testing and discernment. You know, like I said, I want to give Simon a little bit of credit because for a time, I mean, he seems to want this truth as well. He wants this truth as well. Uh, but all of the people can see, okay, well, we're not doing your thing anymore. We're following Jesus Christ. And so they listen to Philip. They they believe, they receive the word, as we talked about earlier in the week. They believe it. They surrender through repentance, confession, faith, and baptism, baptism we find right, here in yeah. this passage is specifically mentioned. And then we have a problem with Simon as he's growing. Some of that baggage from his background in the magic arts seeps into his Christianity and causes a little bit of a trouble here. Uh, you actually told me that there's an entire doctrine or practice that gets named after this guy? Well, I, it probably would fall into a, a category called heresy by Orthodox Church, or at least when you're reading church history, okay? And it, and it is the practice of purchasing offices in the church. Um, now, there's a whole other story to be told of, um, you know, in my perspective, apostasy and corruption and church governance uh, <laughs> that, you know, a whole system blows up uh, post-New Testament times. And then one of the many corruptions of that system is, okay, we've created offices that you don't read about in the Bible, and now we're going to sell those offices to people. But there's still an underlying sense of, well, well, this is corrupt. People are not getting these offices in the church because merit or righteousness, anything like this. If you have enough money, then you can buy the office of cardinal. You can buy the office of bishop. Uh, there would be some people who would argue that even a couple of popes uh, were purchased in different eras of church history. Anyway, all that was called simony. That's the sin. That's the error. Simony. 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 And it takes its name from this account where a man, Simon, offered money to Peter and John to try to purchase the power of apostleship, perhaps even purchase the office of apostleship. Okay, talking about the power of apostleship, what, as, as you're seeing this, what seems to be the significant power of apostleship as opposed to whatever else is going on? Well, here? I don't necessarily want to be reading Simon's mind, but it, it kind of looks to me like he sees that when John and Peter come from Jerusalem and they are apostles, they are able to lay hands on these Samaritan people and impart supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit, powers of the Holy Spirit, uh, so that others in the early church are working some type of miraculous uh, manifestation or gift or another for an encouragement to that local church or those local churches. Simon sees real power. Simon sees the ability to impart real power. That's the power he wants, to be able to work miracles, but to lay hands and impart the power of miracles. Yeah, Simon is not just saying, let me pay you money, you give me a gift. It's, let me pay you money, and you show me how to lay my hands on people so now they can perform these gifts. I want to be able to pass on the abilities and the miraculous gifts. This brings us full circle to something we mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we were studying in Acts chapter 6. And that is throughout Acts, we recognize that the only ones who were performing signs and wonders and miracles were the apostles until in Acts chapter 6, they laid their hands on those seven men. And the next thing we know, two of those seven men, Stephen and Philip, are also performing signs and wonders. Now we get to Acts chapter 8. One of those men, Philip, has gone into Samaria. He is proclaiming the gospel. He is shining forth signs and wonders and miracles, but there is something he cannot do. He cannot pass that ability on 
to others. Mm-hmm. And so when some apostles find out about what's going on in Samaria, they end up coming to Samaria in order to lay their hands on people so that they can pass on gifts. So, excuse me, th- the apostles are passing on gifts so that those folks can have the can gifts have and use them. them in their congregational worship, their setting, and their work with one another. And Simon picks up on that. Right. Philip's not able to do that. Nope. Nobody that the apostles are laying their hands on are able to do that. Those guys. And so he says, I- I'll pay you money, which is how magicians in that day passed on their tricks. They would find someone who could perform a a magic trick and, hey, I'll pay you. You show me your secrets. Mm. I'm not going to do it here. I'll go someplace else and I'll I'll set up my camp, but Mm -hmm. I'll pay you. Mm -hmm. And so he's bringing in his old life into this Christianity. And Peter says, "Uh uh-uh, that's not going to happen. You have no part or lot in this. This is not for you. In fact, I see greed and I see sin. You need to repent. And lots of people argue back and forth about whether he really repented. I tend to believe that when he's asking the apostles to pray for them, he is he is repenting. I, I, there's a whole history and tradition that goes around that says he ends up uh, becoming a, a heretic and starting other things. I don't know what happened there. I'm just looking at the text. I think I see some repentance. But whether he's repenting or not, we recognize only the apostles could pass that on. Now, obviously, God can do whatever he wants. God can make whatever exceptions he wants. But we see here the general rule, and the general rule was the apostles laid their hands on people and these miraculous gifts were passed on. That ought to tell us something about the miraculous gifts today because there are no apostles. You mean all that chicanery and things that you see in the the stadiums and the the fake healers? Who, Who never once had an apostle's hand laid on them. They have not. They have not. So one other thing, and there's just so much to say about Simon, there's a, there's also a school of thought that says, well, maybe he never really was converted. Maybe he was playing a game uh, or something because, well, because now he's obviously in sin when he's trying to offer money for, for apostleship and for these powers. Um, and and th- that's just not true. I, I, I'm reading this, and he, he has believed the same message, all the other Samaritans. He's been baptized just like all the other Samaritans. He really is a Christian. I think that there's a lesson here. That people with with good intentions and, and they've got a, a long way to come. Uh, we're all we're all growing in process. We can we can still sin and err after becoming Christians. It doesn't mean we're not Christians. It means we need to uh, repent when error is brought to our attention. We need to pray for forgiveness. We might even want to seek out uh, spiritual leaders to uh, intercede and pray on our behalf. And so, the, I mean, there's there's good examples in Simon here for what it means to be a Christian. Father in heaven, thank you very much for the time we've been able to talk about the text today. Thank you for the example of Simon, of Philip, of the apostles, and I pray that we can learn from what you have revealed so that we might turn away from sin, that we might avoid sin, that we might focus on your son, that we might be filled with your glory and your presence, and that we might shine that light, and that folks around us would know the difference between truly being with your son and the the fakery and the fraud that some people perpetrate in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that you would bring down the frauds and the fakes and that you would lift up those who are true and sincere and who are a part of your kingdom and a part of your family. Forgive us where we have fallen short because we so often do and help us to shine the light of your gospel into the lives of others. We love you so very much, Father. It's through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. 
You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well,